I was thinking he'd put the phone down on the table and then dangle her head over the phone whilst using your fingers, your like index finger and ring finger, maybe to yank up the eyelids. You know? How do you dangle someone's head? Well, you know what I mean? Like you'd hold it from above and just kind of hold it above the phone. Yeah, but the head's the attached to a body. Look, you're just going to dangle the head. Like so he's... That's true. That might wake her up. Smashing Security, episode 256. Virgin Media just won't take no for an answer. NFT apes and bad optics with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 256. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And we're joined on this last podcast of the year by oh. Mark Stockley. Hello. Yay. Mark, thanks for joining us for the last 2021 podcast of Smashing Security. It's a pleasure. And can I say how much nicer it is to join you from inside my house? Whereas uh, last Christmas, <laughs> you made me go and sit in my greenhouse in the dark <laughs> while I was getting bonked on the head by a cabbage suspended from the ceiling by a piece of string. What a year it's been. That should really have warned us, shouldn't it, as to what was going to come over the following 12 months. Now, there's this thing in the news, isn't there? Log4Shell, Log4J, um, there's this vulnerability thing. Everyone else is talking about it. I don't know if we should talk about it on the podcast or not. Carole, have you heard of this? I've heard of it. I've, I, I'm kind of on holiday at the moment, so I'm trying very hard not to pay okay. attention to security. Well, other people aren't having a holiday at all. Right. Because they're scurrying around trying to fix this vulnerability, which is in millions and millions of devices and pieces of software and internet connected things. And what's your take, Mark? Uh, well, this has been very much my life. So luckily, I'm not one of those people that has to go and actually fix this stuff. Mm. But I do have to understand this stuff and write about it. And this is the universe of cybersecurity at the moment. This is the one and only thing yeah. that's happening. Um, and if you want to know how it works and all that kind of stuff, I mean, everybody in the world who cares about this stuff has written an article about it, and they all basically say the same thing, and it's all just what you can read on the Apache website. What I would like to do is just give a shout-out to the people that maintain this piece of software. So basically what's happened is there's a problem in a piece of software, and that piece of software is maintained by a very, very small group of volunteers. They, mm. they maintain this piece of software for free in their spare time, I can't remember if there's three of them or six of them. Right. But what happened was the entire world decided they were going to use this piece of software in their bits of software, because that's how software yeah. works. You use libraries and things, you reuse code. And this is a bit of software that helps you with logging in Java. And there are lots and lots of things written in Java. And generally, when you write a computer program, you want to do lots and lots of logging, because that helps with security and that helps with just understanding what's going on and troubleshooting and all that kind of thing. So through no fault of the maintainers, everybody went, oh, free stuff, fantastic. Yes, we'll use your free stuff. And then it turned out there's a problem in that piece of software, which means there's a problem in every piece of software in the world. Mm -hmm. And then all loads and loads of people have been dunking on these maintainers who are now working like through the night trying to come up with fixes to this problem. I mean, there's, you know, m mostly what you have to do is upgrade and, and patch and do that kind of thing. Yeah. But they, people have actually been quite mean. And I, I think it's completely unfair. It's like they did this for free and then you saved some money and, you know, yeah. okay, now you have to pay a cost. I'm very sorry. Yeah, but still, if you give something for free, that's an interesting ethical question. Yeah, but you you know how it goes. You know, like basically people went, oh, we'll use that. That's great. And then it turns of out course. there's a problem. And they go, well, I wouldn't have designed it like that. 
but you didn't design it at all. You let somebody else do it. You were very happy to use their work. So like, I'm very sorry it's broken, but it is. So, no. Okay. Well, well as everyone else in the world is talking about this thing, we thought we don't want to talk <laughs> about it. We're sick yeah. of it. Good, well, good, was... thing that Mark, good thing that Mark was so succinct. I'm you know? glad I, I didn't come on here to talk about it. Let's thank this week's sponsors, 1Password and Uptix. It's their support to help us give you this show for free. Now, coming up in today's show, Graham, what do you got? Oh, I'm going to talk about companies who bombard you with marketing emails. Mm, Mark, what about you? I'm going to be talking about a mediocre picture of an ape. <laughs> okay. And I'm heading to southern China and looking into some facial recognition shenanigans. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, uh, have any of you ever bought a service or a product and found Never. yourself <laughs> receiving emails and marketing communications from the company afterwards? I think that's why I went off email, actually. No, neither of you. I, this happens to me quite a lot. Have you ever bought a service and not been sent email? <laughs> <laughs> that's just permission to just be your best friend, isn't it? does seem to be like that, doesn't it? And that's the kind of relationship which happens. Now, I want to talk to you about a company, Virgin Media, provide a, uh, I think it's broadband service, maybe mobile phone service as well, here in the United Kingdom. And August the 4th, 2020, last year, they sent out almost 2 million emails to their customers, telling them that there was a price freeze. Good news, they said, there's a price freeze. So they have like 2 million customers and they each got an email? Well, they may have more than 2 million customers, but there are 2 right. million customers they sent a message to. And the message said, we want to let you know that we won't be raising your price this year. This means the price you pay for your current package right now will stay the same in 2020. Okay. So somebody at Virgin Media thought that this was some form of celebration. Yeah. <laughs> we just wanted to let you know that we're not arbitrarily increasing the price this year. It's a bit like it'd be awful if something happened to that nice dog of yours, wouldn't it? That's <laughs> well, well, what kind of grumps are you guys? Isn't that a lovely message to receive? No. Being told we're not going to put your price up? No, no, we've put your price down. That would be a lovely message. Virgin Media is free this month. That would be a lovely message. Yeah, well, I'm with Mark on that one, yeah. Okay, so 1.3 million customers who had opted in to marketing communications from Virgin Media received that message and then presumably, like Mark, hit the delete button and thought, you really didn't need Carry to Carry on with your day. I'd rather have known about a price cut, right. To be fair, though, 90% of emails fall in that category of I really didn't need to know that, but thanks. Right. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of it about. There's a lot of it about. Mm. Now, that was 1.3 million of the 2 million people who received the email. Okay. So a further 209,000 customers who had specifically opted out of marketing communications from Virgin Media also received it. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a problem with that? Do you think that's all right? What? what they... What's 209,000 people <laughs> between friends? I don't know if it is I wonder if the gray area is that it's not necessarily marketing information, it is sales information. Mm, yeah, I think it's arguable, isn't it? Because you, you, you could, I mean, although it, obviously there's a marketing benefit in so much as aren't we nice guys for not increasing yeah, yeah. the price. High five us. <laughs> it's also <laughs> slightly, 
informational, I suppose. Okay, okay. So we've nearly gone through all the 2 million recipients because there were an additional 451,000, almost half a million customers who had also specifically opted out of marketing communications from Virgin Media. And they were told about the price freeze, but they had an additional bit tacked on to the end of the email. Mm -hmm. And what they were told was... We'd like to stay in touch about all of the great Virgin Media stuff we have on offer for you. Marketing stuff, yep. You've currently said no to receiving marketing messages from us, which means that we are not able to keep you up to date with our latest TV, broadband, phone, mobile news, competitions, products and bundle offers via online email, post, SMS and phone. Apart from this one. You can change your preferences by simply registering or signing in to virginmedia.com slash opt-in. Click my profile, then my preferences. So it's now changed a bit, hasn't it? Because it seems the bulk of the email is no longer about there's a price freeze. It's now, you know that thing you opted out of? You can still opt in if you want. You can still get messages from us. I think it's quite a clever workaround if, you know, they're under pressure to get some business going. Maybe the numbers are low. And so they go, oh, I know, I've got a really good workaround. Let's spam people that deliberately (laughs) asked not to ever be contacted by us. Yeah. We know full well that you've opted out of marketing emails, but maybe you want to change your mind. (laughs) Maybe you want to opt back in. So how would you have responded if you'd got one of those, if you were one of those 451,000 people? I wouldn't have read it. You'd have deleted it? I wouldn't have seen it. I wouldn't have seen it. Well, well you, you don't see a lot of emails, actually, don't exactly. you? Exactly. <laughs> yes. I thought we'd seem to. Sometimes quite important emails. That's why we're partners. You yes, help me with yes. those. Yeah. So it's at this point that one single itsy-bitsy opted-out customer read this email and thought, I'm a bit pissed off with this. Mm-hmm. And he complained to the Information Commissioner's Office, who are the data watchdog in the UK, arguing that the email had posed as a routine communication about prices, but was actually an attempt to get everybody to opt back in to marketing communications. Yeah. I don't know why I'm defending Virgin. I kind of like that they didn't tick the box without them, you know, saying opt out if you want, because that's following the law, I suppose. Yes, well, they're breaking the law by emailing them. A marketing communication is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, if, if people have opted out, was that yeah. stepping over the line to say, oh, you know, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. you're missing out? <laughs> so the ICO, they quizzed mm-hmm. Virgin Media about this. And Virgin Media said, yes, yes, we acknowledge those 451,000 recipients had opted out of being spammed. But according to Virgin Media, that had been over a year ago. And they might have <laughs> changed their mind. <laughs> So they they said that they'd had customer feedback from time to time that people changed their mind about wanting to receive marketing emails. And so it was quite right of them just to double check and say there's still an option to opt back in if you want. Okay. And the ICO went, oh, okay. I totally get it. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Well, no, ICO wasn't wasn't that impressed. Okay. Thank God. They said this was no justification. In fact, the other thing that Virgin Media said to try and justify their point of view was they said, well, six and a half thousand people did choose to opt back in 
after receiving this mail shot. So it worked, they said. It worked, they said to the ISO. <laughs> Doing this works if you keep on bugging people and say, oh, are you sure? You don't want to come, oh, you sure? you don't want to come back in? So in, in reality, 6,000 people don't know what they clicked. <laughs> <laughs> they just fell against the keyboard <laughs> randomly. In their rush to hit the delete button, their finger slipped. So... The ICO did not accept this as uh, good reason to keep on sending people marketing emails. They said the fact that Virgin Media had the potential for financial gain from its breach of the regulations by signing up more clients through the direct marketing is an aggravating factor, not a defence. And they have fined Virgin Media the enormous sum of £50,000. Take that, Virgin Media. Yeah, they're going to feel that where it hurts. (sighs) Well, they're not going to feel a £50,000 fine, actually, because they're going to pay it before January the 9th, which will reduce it to £40,000. In other words... (laughs) It's like parking tickets. (laughs) It is. In other words, it is the equivalent of eight pence per opted-out recipient, which... I think is quite a good deal for Virgin Media, really, isn't it? Yeah. Is ICO going to send that out to each of the recipients, the little check for 8p? Oh, no, 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 no. no. The, the, <laughs> any money you pay to the ICO any, in fines goes back to the Her Majesty's Treasury, ultimately. I'm a bit stuck on this, this, this January discount. So this is basically the UK government performing a bit of accountancy sleight of hand. They're trying to get this money on the books. This tax year, aren't they? Well, they've they've also said if you don't appeal, that's the other rule. If you right, pay up okay, in time okay, okay. and do not appeal, which obviously yeah. would incur some costs. So another, it'd be awful if something happened to that lovely dog of yours. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, a saving of 10K for Virgin Media is like basically, you know, I don't know, a square of toilet paper, really. <laughs> well, it's... <laughs> I mean, it's just totally something which you can just consume into the budget, isn't it? The budget of your marketing efforts. You think, oh, well, if we want to get more people on our newsletter list, these people are just going to cost eight pence per more Without naming any names, all three of us on this call (laughs) know someone who has spent similar amounts of money to that on marketing (laughs) campaigns that receives absolutely zero clicks. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Whereas they got six and a half thousand people yeah. to sign back up. Yeah. So, so it's actually pretty good. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal, yeah. isn't it? So shouldn't the fine have actually maybe been 10 times more or 100 times more or it's or even more? Should it? I mean, there, there have been people in the past who've taken the spammers to court and got like 300 pounds per email. So maybe the ICO should be charging way more. Than this kind of thing, if it wants to actually have a proper deterrent, maybe they should make Virgin Media send everybody an email saying, "Hey, guess what? Great news! We're not keeping your prices the same this year. We're actually going to cut the price to all of our users by eight by eight pence." So, um, yeah, so be careful, obviously, um, when you choose whether you want to opt into marketing email promotions yeah, and the like. Be careful, because the people you're opting in with might just ignore you and send you emails anyway, so be they careful. Complete, and, and they may decide that after a year, well, a lot of people change their minds 
And so we'll give them an option to change it afterwards. If you... The other thing is that sometimes on these forms, I mean, the wording is really confusing, isn't it? When you click on these things as to what whether you are actually opting out or opting in, you sort of get a do not click here to not unsubscribe from future marketing. <laughs> Pre-ticked. Yes. And you've got this you've got this knot, this Gordian knot you're trying to unravel of logic and triple or quadruple negatives to try and determine. And then and then there are web pages you go to which say, okay, well if, if you want to opt out, um confirm your email address and your name <laughs> and your company name and your size of company. So whoa, 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 I'm giving you even more information in order to get off this bloody list. Oh, isn't so, it nice you have a holiday coming up, Graham? I so need a holiday. Mm-hmm. Did you know they they just changed the law in the US so that they they can no longer run that scheme where you sign up for something online but you have to mm. phone them to unsubscribe <laughs> and it was really it was really popular with newspapers so I signed up for the Wall Street Journal once because right. I wanted to read an article right. and then I spent days on the phone trying to call someone <laughs> to get unsubscribed like it's when you're in that sort of process, you you know exactly what thinking is going on there. They, like they've sat down and they've gone, "How can we make this as difficult as possible? We with no chance that people are going to voluntarily remain subscribers, so we must trick them into continuing to use our quality product." It's a bit like having to go to the council office, go down into the basements where the light bulb is broken, <laughs> and there in a broken lavatory <laughs> behind a sign which says, "Beware of the leopard." Yep. <laughs> It's in a filing cabinet, yep, yep. Yes. <laughs> Mark, right. what have you got for us this week? My story today is about somebody who accidentally sold a picture of a cartoon ape on the internet for $3,000. Oh, well, that doesn't sound like an accident. That sounds like a success to sell a picture of a monkey oh, for so much money. Well, you might think that. But this is an NFT story. Mm. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't an accident that they sold it as you very astutely picked up it was an accident uh, in the sense that they, they meant to sell it at a different price in fact it was a massive accident because right. they got the price wrong by a factor of 100 the seller was somebody who goes by the handle max naught and mm. he made what he called a fat fingered mistake and he typed in <laughs> typed in the price so he was on the NFT marketplace called OpenSea. It's the biggest NFT marketplace. It's where you go yep. to go and buy NFTs. And he was on there and he was typing in the price and he got the price wrong by a factor of 100. And because we live in the lunatic upside down world of non-fungible tokens, I'm not saying the price should have been a very generous $3. It should actually have been a ridiculous $300,000. <sighs> How? What? what How for, should it for have a been? Bitmap file for 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 a bump. Well, what? are we going there, Graham? Is it, it's not for the bitmap file, is it? It's for the token no. on the blockchain that references the bitmap file. So Max Nord, Max, yeah, typed the wrong number of Nords. Yes, he basically, right. yeah, he probably, no, he probably <laughs> forgot there was probably pence in there or cents, and he didn't see the little squiggles. Well, dot. this is this is ether, so it would have been naught point naught 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 something something something. Uh-huh. That's the when you're dealing with cryptocurrencies, because they're so massively inflated. Obviously, when they were invented, the people who invented them thought, well, you know, obviously one of these is going to be a reasonable, <laughs> a reasonable quantity. And now one of them is worth a trillion dollars. So you people trade in naught point naught 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 fractions. <laughs> 
So it's quite easy to type in, you know, too many or too few zeros. Now, and normally, you like you think about listing on Amazon or something like that. This wouldn't be a problem, right? You type in the wrong number, and like Max Nort realized his mistake pretty much immediately. Right. But mm. because we live in the lunatic upside down world of NFTs, immediately is actually way too slow. Because someone grabbed it. Well, it, it was someone, something, something had grabbed it. So as soon as mm-hmm. it was listed, it was purchased and it was relisted at $250,000. Uh, but, but hang on, hang on, hang on. Does this matter? Surely he can just produce another bitmap no, with an s- no. extra squiggle on it. it and- well, no, of course not. He can only make 10000 so Graham, feel bad for him. We live in the world of artificial scarcity. And what he was selling was a picture of an ape, but not just any picture of an ape. This is a picture of an ape with benefits. So this is... <laughs> Sorry, this, people have apes with benefits. Oh, I, that's, well, that's new. Let me, let me get to the benefits. You've met my husband, right? <laughs> <laughs> you have an ape with benefits, do you, Carol? A Wookiee with benefits. <laughs> so this, this ape in particular yes. is part of the Bored Ape Yacht Club. And the Bored Ape Yacht Club is a collection of 10,000 pictures of apes which are of a standard that would not disgrace a middle-ranking art college. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're sort of digitally assembled. So by the look of it, there's, like, there's a bunch of ape components, and then yeah, a computer yeah. program has mixed and matched those to make 10,000 unique apes. And then they're all being sold, and they're all sold for 0.08 Ether each. Mm-hmm. And it's it's terribly democratic because they're all sold for exactly the same price and there's no premium tier or anything like that. But of course they get sold and then they instantly get relisted for whatever the market demands. And what the market demands at the moment is about $250,000. Anyway, you're not just buying a picture because quite often with NFTs, you're not even buying the picture. I mean, you're just buying the fact that there's basically you're buying a receipt. You're buying a URL. You're just giving someone <laughs> money. You're just giving someone money Yeah, is what you're actually doing. Yeah. They're, You're not doing anything else. They're down in the basement, in the locked filing cabinet, behind the toilet yes. door, there is a list of who owns what ape picture. And what you're buying is you're buying your name on that list. Okay? But, uh, but and, that, uh, and that list says, you know, Graham or Caroli owns ape picture 3,700, who, whatever. Who is buying this. Famous people. With no sense. Post Malone. Host unknown? What? Post Malone is a famous person. Right. Never heard of him. He's one of the famous people that has bought uh, Ape Yacht Club uh, mediocre ape pictures. But anyway, I must get onto these benefits because what happens is the, the NFT is not just a picture of an ape, which you would, you know, not put up in your home. It is also a, a kind of login to the Board Ape Yacht Club. And the Board Ape Yacht Club, it allows you exclusive entry to a range of features that don't exist yet. Is this a real yacht club? I think I think the yacht club is just a name. <sighs> it's but not okay. I mean they're not really apes, okay? They're just pictures of apes and they're not really bored because they're pictures and pictures can't get bored, and it's not a yacht club. And also the things that you get, the benefits that you get when you sign up don't exist yet, but they will exist soon but we don't know what they are, but we do know what one of them is. So one of the benefits that doesn't exist, well, the only one that doesn't exist that we know what it is, is uh, the bathroom. It's called the bathroom. And the bathroom is a sort of 
uh, MS Paint for everyone who is a part of the Yacht Club, and you can add one pixel to the bathroom every 15 minutes, or at least you will be able to when it exists, because it doesn't exist yet. Uh, so if you bought enough of these apes, you would be able to more quickly scroll some kind of message. You would be able to draw in more of the penis. <laughs> yeah, which inevitably is what someone's going to draw. Yes. This is the, <laughs> these are all going to be owned by men in their 20s who are collaborating on a drawing on a bathroom wall in cyberspace. It's going to be a penis. <laughs> Anyway, you too can join this club for the for the bargain sum of uh, $250,000. No, thank you. He didn't lose any money, right? Because he presumably, the seller, Max Knott or whatever, bought it from whoever posted yeah, he, it for he 0.7 his, yeah. Ethereum or something. And then he basically sold it for the same amount of money, it seems, by accident. So he's lost nothing. Well, in in he was uh, CNET spoke to him, and he seemed very phlegmatic. I, I think this is very much, you know, we live in the crazy world of cryptocurrencies where billions of dollars go missing because you let someone have your billions of dollars to look after, uh, and that happens about every two weeks. So I, I think if you get into this stuff and you're serious, you probably just mentally write off a bunch of money already. Like if he's going to make three hundred thousand on the next one, he's not going to worry about you know, losing a mere 297000 on this one. It's just a swimming pool I do not want to dip my toe into. Oh. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm skirting that. Well, well let, me, let me just swim out into the deep end slightly with you, because I want okay. to tell you about my favourite part of the story. Okay. Okay, because that isn't my favourite part of it. My favourite part of the story is, so I told you the transaction happened instantly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now, have you ever bought anything with a cryptocurrency? No. Right, instantaneous transactions are quite difficult to pull off. Like you can buy things with right. Bitcoin, and you can wait hours or days even, right. which is why it's a terrible idea for currency because you know you want to buy something, right? But another terrible reason why. So if you want to get it instantly, you have to pay a transaction fee. You're basically paying mm. to grease the wheels and speed things up. How much do you think that this robot that bought this robot-generated monkey picture paid to make that transaction happen instantly? Take a guess. Oh, so of course it's a market, and the faster you want it, twenty more pounds. Like Graham's saying, twenty pounds. <laughs> I don't know, ten grand. I have no idea. I'll give you a benchmark. I bought a house a few years ago, which cost about the same as a crap monkey picture, and i i paid <laughs> I paid a thirty pound chaps fee to transfer the money to pay for the house. Yes, and I thought that was pretty Victorian. Okay, this computer program that bought this monkey picture paid thirty four thousand dollars. What? In transaction fees. But it still quits in. I, well, I mean, the math, yeah. the math is correct, but, you know. Yeah, the math works. I, I yeah. looked this up and basically, you know, the future of the world is a currency where it either takes days for the currency to go through or you have to pay a mere $34,000 to make it happen instantly instead of using your debit card, which can do a faster payment now, which is instant, doesn't cost you anything. I looked up the numbers, and also, obviously, cryptocurrencies are trashing the planet because they consume so much electricity. You can do 140,000 Visa transactions for the same amount of energy as it takes to do a single Ethereum transaction. 140,000. 
banks could fight back, you know. Banks could say, hey, you know what? Every account that we have under our roof, you know, every day we're going to give someone a random amount of money in one account. You're just going to land with a bunch of money from us as a present. Have you met banks? (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. I just think if if they're losing people to crypto, maybe it's it's the excitement. They have to gamify banking. I think that's I, a, I, I just can't cope with the world. Well, I've got you guys a little Christmas present. Oh. Is it a freaking monkey? I hope so. But yes, I spent $300,000 and I bought you a monkey. <laughs> not even a real monkey. Just a URL of a monkey. It's, it's not a monkey. I'm just going to I'm just going to paste something into the chat window. Okay. So you have to look in the chat cuz I'd read out the URL, but you'll see when when you see it in the chat window, you'll see why I didn't read it out. Okay. okay. It's a, oh, it's a picture. Oh look! Is this is this our own NFT? <laughs> we can bid on our own NFT. So what we're seeing here is a, a picture. It's called Graham or Kroll. Half of us is very handsome, and the other half is me. So <laughs> it's it's like we've been sort of merged together. With I find this Ooh. extremely frightening. <laughs> Why couldn't you have connected us the other way by our ears? Do you remember? Do you do you because re- like it's really important with NFTs that there's a bit of a story. Okay, so Mm. do you remember a while ago you invited me on the podcast and we spoke about Twitter and there was a kind of minor scandal where if you uploaded a picture to Twitter and there was a white face and a black face, it seemed to always show the white face. Yes. And I, to celebrate this for for you guys, I created a Twitter account called Graham or Carol. Yep. And Mm -hmm. I uploaded pictures of you two to see which one Twitter would pick. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the avatar for that, Twitter account is now an NFT. Okay, so this is not just some random picture. This is a picture which is, you know, linked to Smashing Security, which has got some history. And if it sounds if it sounds like I'm selling this, it's because I'm selling this. So this links in the show notes. This is for sale on OpenSea. If you want to bid, don't dash all at once, folks. If you want to bid. On Graham or Caroli on OpenSea, <laughs> the starting bid is 0.15 Ether. Oh, my God. Okay. And the reason it's 0.15 Ether <laughs> is because it's not cheap to get these things on OpenSea. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So if oh anybody if anybody God. listening to the podcast feels like bidding on this NFT, on this <laughs> NFT you can scrape back yeah, some money. <laughs> Recoup some of my losses on this. Uh, it's a nice gift. Anyway, wow. I'll, I'll read out the description for people who are interested because I think, you know, we've probably hooked in a few people by now because you've got a lot of listeners, right? Billions, yeah. So this is, this is it's a one-of-a-kind coming together of one of the most distinctive and humorous voices in cybersecurity and Graham Cleely. <laughs> Crow, what have you got for us this week? You guys are going to play the protagonists here in this story. Mark, maybe you can take the lead since Graham always takes the lead. <laughs> I want you to imagine that you are in your late 20s, okay? It's a long, long time ago, yeah. Yep. And you live in a place you probably have never visited in your life, Nanning, Southern China. <laughs> yeah. You are waiting for your girlfriend to show up. That's something you certainly have done in your so life. So I live in China. I'm in my 20s and I've got a girlfriend. Yep. It's so very, very close to my current existence. <laughs> And uh, your girlfriend got in touch earlier and she was feeling a little under the weather. And you, the boyfriend, the nice oh. chap that you are, offer to cook her dinner, look after her, sort out her little cold meds to help her sleep, all the stuff. 
And uh, you fuss over her and get her all cozied up in bed, and soon, no surprise, she falls asleep. And you sit beside her, look down at her, and you think. Do you think, like, oh, I hope you feel better soon, or I hope she likes, you know, I hope that got me some points looking after her. I was going to say, I'm a man in my 20s, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, were, were you thinking that, oh, maybe I'll just get her Huawei phone and uh, grab her little index finger and open up her phone. What? Yes. Yes. No, I mean, yes, yes. Uh, this is me, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. That's what I was thinking, yeah. According to, well, a few papers, maybe he hid some of the cold meds in the food that he cooked so to make sure she was <gasps> fully sleeping at this time. <laughs> fully sleeping. <laughs> I slipped some drugs into her food to make sure she was fully sleeping, my lord. And the reason, Mark, that you want to do this is it turns out you are broke and you need some Wonga, like, pronto, okay? Has she got an NFT on this phone? <laughs> no, see, that would be, I'm sure he's looked for it. Because you've got a secret addiction, see, you like to gamble, and uh, the people that you owe money to are starting to get really serious about it. So you're thinking, hey, I've unlocked her phone. I know she uses Alipay, right? Okay, which is a money transfer yeah. app. I'm just going to head over there and open that baby up. But there's a snag because she set up facial recognition to open the account. I have to say, Mark, oh. Mark sounds like a terrible boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean he's screwed at this point? Well, it, is her face still there? Her face is there. Okay. But her eyes are shut and, you know, he seems oh. to have trouble getting the picture to work. Right. So he needs to draw some eyes on her eyelids. <gasps> that is smart. <laughs> that might work, actually. I wonder if she'd wake up with that if he's putting liquid paper all over her eyelids. <laughs> Would you draw it in paper and cut it out and then just like sticky tape it to her eyelids? Uh, I was just thinking if he's a 20-year-old man, he would probably draw it on and then just completely forget about it and not clean up afterwards because it takes a while for you to develop those sorts of habits. So she'd wake up with, with eyes on her eyelids. <laughs> I was thinking he'd put the phone down on the table and then dangle her head over the <laughs> phone whilst using your fingers, your like index finger and ring finger, maybe to yank up the eyelids, you know? How do you dangle someone's head? Well, you know what I mean? Like you'd hold it from above and just kind of hold it above the phone. And yeah, but the head's attached to a body. You're just going to dangle the head. Like, so he's... That's true. That might wake her up. Graham, do you have any ideas? Oh, God. Well, could you not Photoshop some different eyes onto her face? Maybe her face is enough. And if you... Or take another photograph of her and cut and paste her eyes onto her no, I mean, I don't mean actually with paper and glue and things. I mean, not actually with an image. That was Mark's idea. Right. Oh. <laughs> glue some eyes on her eyelids. <laughs> but Graham's very clear that's a ridiculous idea. <laughs> well, I don't know how he managed to do it, but he did. Mm -hmm. And uh, he managed to transfer over 150,000 won or about 18,000 pounds, 25,000 US dollars. Of course, clever guy. He managed to change her password as well. And all this happened, of course, while girlfriend is a slumber. Hang on, isn't isn't changing her password a bit of a clue? You mean she might notice that? 
Yeah, I mean, up till now, all very, very secret, secret, you know, draw, drawing eyes on. The- yeah, she might notice 25 that's, grand that's, gone That's from a good her point. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so she wakes up, yawns, right? Hi, honey, nuzzle, nuzzle. And it uh, doesn't take her long to realize that her account's been decimated. Huge money transfers can't get into her account. And he's like, oh, no, <laughs> I can't believe this happened. So he was the perfect boyfriend once again, acting completely innocently. She ends up calling the authorities, you know, files a police report. So when she's like, why are their eyes drawn on my eyelids? <laughs> but how would she? But she wouldn't know. She wouldn't know, would she? Because they'd only be visible oh. when her eyes are shut. It's a brilliant place to hide someone from something from somebody. Is on their light eyelids. Yeah. Until she winks in a mirror, he's fine. <laughs> or or has a friend of any, any description. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Fair enough. First, first <laughs> Zoom call of the day. And this guy, so he's only identified with his surname Huang, but according to the South China Morning Post, he was accused of doing all this and he ended up getting arrested in April. Mm. And he was found guilty of theft by using secret methods to steal someone else's property, which is a pretty interesting... So it's a crime to use secret methods rather than known methods, is it, to steal property? Maybe this is a translation issue because obviously this happened in China. And there's a number of different articles on this, which I have in the show notes. But yeah, interesting. And the judge sent him to three and a half years in prison and slapped him with a uh, 20,000 won fine or like 2,500 pounds. To be fair, it's not as crazy as buying an NFT of a bored ape and joining some kind of yacht club in order to scrawl a penis on the wall, is it? It's not the maddest thing I've heard in the last 20 minutes. What, stealing from your, from your, from your sleeping right. girlfriend, drugged up girlfriend? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My big question, though, for you guys is, is this. Yes. Um, if he asks her out again, does she say yes? <laughs> <laughs> it will be on Sticky Pickles. <laughs> oh, I'd better make a great Sticky Pickles. When's Sticky Pickles coming back? This would be a great story for them. <laughs> so what's the next great security threat at work? <laughs> How about Burnout. The first annual OnePassword State of Access study illuminates the grave dangers unwittingly posed by checked-out, apathetic employees, including security professionals. Work-related exhaustion isn't a new phenomenon, but it's been amplified by COVID-19. And when it's left unaddressed, burnout can put companies at risk because it influences employees' habits and decision-making. Burnt-out employees are three times more likely to say security rules and policies aren't worth the hassle, and nearly half of burnt-out security professionals say it's unrealistic for companies to be aware of and manage all apps and devices that employees use. This free report establishes a clear connection between employee burnout and exposure to cyber threats as ready-to-resign and otherwise disengaged employees let down their guards and circumvent their company's rules and protocols. So, go and read the report for yourself and find out what you can do about it at your company. Go visit onepassword.com slash resources. That's onepassword.com slash resources. And thanks to 1Password for supporting the show. We are also sponsored by Uptix. Uptix is a cloud-native security analytics platform built to protect the modern attack surface. 
Uptix zeroes in on blind spots that are preventing you from identifying and responding to existing threats and vulnerabilities in your ecosystem. Plus, Uptix normalizes telemetry across macOS, Linux, Windows, and containers, records system activity for historical investigation even when no alert has fired, and enables you to build complex custom detections. In short, Uptix provides observability across both cloud workloads and endpoints in a single centralized platform. Visit smashingsecurity.com forward slash Uptix. That's U-P-T-Y-C-S to learn more about its cloud-native security analytics platform. And thanks to Uptix for sponsoring the show. And welcome back. And you join us at our favorite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. Um, for a while now, I've noticed I've had a bit of a problem with technology. And my problem has been emojis. I can't handle emojis. I don't really understand. Those, those emojis take up a lot of bandwidth. They do take up a lot of bandwidth. But worse than that, they're very small and they're hard to tell apart. So someone will send me an emoji of something and I have to take a screenshot of my own camera and then enlarge it in order to find out that it's a an emoji of a filing cabinet or a leopard or whatever. How do I how do I say this nicely? The problem is not the emojis. May, may, oh, I see. Maybe the problem is my eyes instead. So I stumbled across this webpage on emojipedia.org. Um, yes, there is a, a there is a Wikipedia for emojis, and it is all about what every heart emoji really means. And I thought, oh, this is quite useful because it's one of the most common emojis that people send to each other, either a broken heart or a, a real heart. And apparently there are different meanings, and there's been an awful lot of research done into the popularity and usage of different emojis, which I thought was quite interesting. Brown hearts, not popular. I'm totally using that from now on. <laughs> I think all Smashing Security listeners should start need using to embrace the brown, the heart. brown heart. Well, purple hearts, quite popular. And I thought purple heart, I thought that must be something to do with the Vietnam War. But no, no, no. Apparently, is the go-to emoji for fans of Bangtang Sonyeondun, if you're familiar with them, better known as K-pop band BTS. Mm. Um, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, if you see lots of purple hearts, it means that they're into their K-pop. Um, but there's lots of other interesting stuff. If you go into this article, all about the different meanings of hearts and how they are used. For instance, there's that there are those ones where you you get someone's smiley face where the the hearts are, are over their eyes. It looks like a jammy dodger biscuit, for instance. Mm-hmm. And the relative popularity of some of these and how they are used at different times and in coordination with other emojis as well. I found it quite interesting that such a study had been done because this is really a new... This is how the youth are communicating, Crow. Right. I'm glad that you're here to help me with that. Well, if we are going to have any chance of understanding digital apes as NFTs, we... <laughs> We have to start somewhere, and maybe we start with emojis. <laughs> this that. is like the nerdiest cry for help I have ever heard. I'm now <laughs> gifting you a brown heart. 
Mark, what's your pick of the week? Well, my pick of the week is a unique, uh, desirable, uh, one-of-a-kind artwork, mm. uh, which you can find <laughs> on NFT Marketplace OpenSea. <laughs> it is... It has a tremendous uh, cultural and sentimental value, uh, which, and I think anybody that sees it will agree that uh, visually it is definitely better than uh, a random automatically generated picture of a cartoon ape. I'm talking, of course, about the next big thing, which I, I think we all know is going to be Graham or Carole, which is an NFT, which I saw today is available on OpenSea, which you can currently pick up for the bargain price of about, it's about 560. Well, I'm looking now. <laughs> yeah, give, give us the live. latest price. It, latest price. It's, 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 it's $566.19 <laughs> now, but this is an auction and it only lasts for seven what days. What is it now, Mark? So what is it now? Can you give us an update now? <laughs> it's, it's, it's still, I'm refreshing. I'm refreshing. This is a fast moving situation. <laughs> yep. Um, the price is now. $566.19. Wow. Now, it's cryptocurrency. There was probably an enormous spike between. I know it looks like they're the same, <laughs> but it, it probably crashed and then went to like 40 grand. But it, it's uh, it's still $566.19. But this is the cheapest it's ever going to be. Okay? This is an auction. Prices only go up. Prices only go up. And these are NFTs. So, I mean, prices go up by with zeros on the end. Okay. <laughs> So take it from me. You want to be on the ground floor. Yeah. Patreon supporters, you you hear this first. Okay. This is a genuine opportunity to make something from that, uh, you know, because I know you don't get much from these guys, <laughs> you know. Ouch. This is, this is your chance. Ouch. <laughs> Graham, are you there? Yes. I couldn't hear a word of it. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Crow, what's your pick of the week? Okay, well, the holidays are here, or almost here, and some people love the holidays, and some people need something engrossing, something tense, maybe perhaps dark, to take their minds off their immediate holiday dramas. So mm. this pick of the week is for you. It is a TV series called Mayor of East Town. Have either of you seen it? I've heard of it. Well, it rings a bell. It's very good. It's on HBO. And basically the premise is a tightly wound up hothead detective named Mare. And this is played by Kate Winslet. And she plays the lead detective on a local murder. And of course, meanwhile, her own life is unraveling and she's guzzling back the beers and vaping ferociously and, and cutting anyone dead who gets in her way. Now, hmm. strong, strong female cop. Excellent at solving crimes. Personal life is unraveling at the same time. I, that, that's a unique plot device that we've never heard. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've seen five shows right now, and I would say it's fresh. I have no idea where this is going. I really feel like it's like, oh, like I'm. I'm. Well, what's different about it, Crow? What's different? Um. Well, Kate Winslet's amazing. She's she's good. Isn't she's she? really good at it, and her accent's great. She's just amazing actress. Also, they're killing off people that play quite like quite big celeb roles that you think obviously will be there till the end of the oh. series. They die very early. Oh. I won't name any names. 
you know that's my favorite thing i love it too what's your favorite thing when when you have a movie and there's some big star but they they die in the first third of the movie unexpectedly mm, that sort of thing i mean i i I, when I was at college, because mm. I went to art college, I read lots and lots of comics, like loads of comics, because that's kind of what we were studying. And I thought I better know something about this. And, and they just never, ever kill off characters. So there's no consequences. You know, these comics, like Batman's been running for 90 years or something, um, you know, and occasionally gets bloody nose. And so it's really refreshing when you watch a, a TV series where they invest a bunch of energy into a character and then they're like, that character's dead, because it actually it creates genuine tension. I totally agree. So if this sounds up your street, people, it's called Mayor of Easttown. It's from HBO. I think they're in season two now, or maybe it's already completed. So that gives you quite a few intense, engrossing viewing hours of something dark, smart to cheer you up during the holiday season. (laughs) Enjoy. Is it Mayor of Easttown as in town mayor, or is it Mayor as in horse of Easttown? If I'm um, her name is Mare, probably like Marion or something like that, and she's known around town as a Mare. Oh, okay. M A R E oh, is okay. how they spell it. All oh, right, it's, it's not a very flattering, flattering name to give a woman, is it? Mare. It's like calling her horse face or something. Whoa. <laughs> Well, that just about wraps it up for this week, Mark. I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that? Um, well, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Mark Stockley, and also you can find me on OpenSea, and you can find NFTs that I've listed there <laughs> under the name Mark Stockley. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G, Twitter and last have a G, and we're also on Reddit in the Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smash Insecurity in your favourite podcast app because uh, you'll want to do that because we're going to take a break for a few weeks, but we will be back in the new year. So if you don't want to miss out, make sure you are subscribed in the likes of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And huge, huge shout out to this episode's sponsors, 1Password and Upticks, and of course to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all, this show is free. And as always, for episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue of more than 255 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Happy holiday. Chink, chink, ching, 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 